Ladies and gentlemen, trans and non-binary punks of all ages and denominations, welcome back to another episode of Not Just a Phase. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for being here on this crazy planet we call Earth. We're online at notjustaphase.net, and on Instagram at notjustaphase worldwide, and we got a Patreon link in our Instagram if you want to support this show. Now, uh, let's get into it. So today's episode is a very special one. Vicky is back to co-host this one with me. She writes for Discovered Magazine, Rocket Magazine, Empata Sonoro Magazine, and she runs a Screamo meme page at Screamo underscore affirmations. That's on Instagram and it's hilarious. So welcome back to the show today, Vicky. Uh, hyped to have you here again. Hello, what's up? I, uh, I think what, uh, I love to co-host here because of the ego boost that your interests give me. That's just unprecedented, so thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> today, uh, we have the privilege of speaking with the guitarist from a pretty well-known Screamo band. And by uh, pretty well-known, I mean that if you ever heard of Screamo, then you most likely have heard of them. The band's called Seisha. They're from New York City. They formed in early 1997, which is before I was born. Uh, Seisha is an essential band when it comes to talking about the genre. And from 97 to now, they're still a staple of influence being worshipped by fans and musicians within the scene and beyond. Seisha has recently announced that they have rehearsed together for the first time in 24 years. This has made the entire community lose their minds. That includes the two of us. So today, not just the face of speaking with the guitarist of this recently united band, Jimmy Behar from Seisha is on the show today. That's definitely a sentence I never thought I'd say. So if you haven't heard this band yet, thanks for coming to hang out with us and check out some new music.
Hi, this is Jamie, and you just listened to uh, a track by my current band, Seisha, uh, called Venus and Bacchus, uh, right now on Not Just a Phase podcast. Awesome. (laughs) Fucking hey, thank you so much. Thanks so much for talking with us today, Jamie. How's everybody feeling today? Good. It's warm at beach. It's just, it's weird on the on the subject. I, it just occurred to me. I, I was at a show a couple of weeks ago, and I met somebody who I I'd never met before, and it was in the outside the context of like screamo, but in the context of hardcore. And she's like, "Oh, are you in a band?" And I'm like, "I am. In, I am in a band." And she's like, "What band?" And I'm like, "I'm in the station." She's like, "Oh, I've heard of you guys." And I was just like, "I'm introducing myself." Like I'm like like it's my current band. I'm like, it is my current band. It is very weird. It's just like, it, it was like that moment, like after a couple of weeks of doing this, where it's just like, oh yeah, I am in this band. Anyway, sorry. Feels weird to be back in the swing of things or? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess uh, for the listeners, you've already stated your name and uh, what role it is you play in the band there? Yeah. So um Jamie Bihar or Behar and I played guitar and occasionally screamed a bit. Very nice. So uh, I know you talked with Dave for Open Mind, Saturated Brain, and you spoke with Hal Capone as well. Is there yeah. any other podcasts you've done that I haven't heard? Uh, no. No, that's it. Nice. I did my research well then. Good, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, you listen to any podcasts like in your free time? Not really. <laughs> I'll say it's, it. it's funny. It just never, it never really caught, caught with me. It's like uh, I, 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 I talk to my friends about it. They're like, well, we always listen to talk radio like when radio was a thing. I was like, oh, I never listened to talk radio. So it just like never intersected. Like the two things never connected. So, No, I completely hear you. I don't, I don't listen to too many podcasts either. But uh, <laughs> before, we, um, before we get into talking about your band and your music and such, I'd love to know what your passions and hobbies are like outside of writing music. What, what's driving you in your free time? Ah, that is a Good question. Um, I watch a lot of football or for American listeners, soccer. So that's kind of like pretty much all I, all I do as far as my passions go. Got a couple of, couple of teams and nations that I support in the multiple competitions that are always active around the year. So somehow that manages to occupy my, my attention. Uh, it might, might pop up again later in the the conversation to the context of Italian bands that I'm friends with. Um, oh God, I already know what's coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like the second question I ask people when I meet them. I'm like, oh, very nice. Uh, so where are you from? Who's your club? And it's like, and uh, hobbies? Not really. <laughs> Just work, work. It's funny. I was I was talking to my new boss today. I'm like, I can't wait to get back to work. I'm a workaholic, and he's like, that's good, but it's also important to focus on other things. And I'm like, nope, just work. That's all I do. So, okay, so just work football. Uh, who's your favorite team for football? Your main. So my my real club, my main club, is Arsenal from uh, London. Uh, forever, even though sometimes I wish that forever was much shorter a period of time. So. <laughs> We we often sing I'm Arsenal till I die, and at the end of it, we're all like, hopefully that's soon. We can't, 
we can't take much more. But they're in good. They had a good season last year, but it's it's just been a a rocky uh, twenty years or so. So okay, that's we got a lot of Leaf fans out in Toronto, so I think that uh, yeah, yeah, they know that pain. Oh well. <laughs> Italian football teams do you support? Oh, this is going to get me so much hatred in, uh, in, <laughs> in the country. Um, I am I am unfortunately a Juventus fan. Yeah, which pretty much means everybody who lives in Italy hates me. So I've literally yeah. never been an Italian Juventus fan. So I don't know how they are a club in Italy. Like, I got to know how they've been how they haven't been evicted from the peninsula because I've literally never met anyone who likes them. Yeah, I know exactly one person who likes them. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like I had no idea when I when I got into them. Like I got into them from because of like I mean I could turn this whole podcast into like a football podcast, so I'm not gonna do that. But I got yeah, into yeah. them a long time ago before I really knew anybody in in the in in Italy really. And then as I started meeting people, I was like, Wow, really you guys hate this club and they're like, Yeah, you should stop supporting them. <laughs> I'm like, I can't now. <laughs> It's like once you kind of commit to it, you have to kind of stick to it. You know, it's kind of shitty. It's a shittier thing to stop because then it's like you you're a fair weather friend. You know, but I'm I'm a part time AC fan for for the purposes of not being a social outcast. So (laughs) the underdog. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's funny. There was a time where like people were like, "Oh, you always support Juventus because they're doing well," and I'm like, eh, "Not so much." So, Juventus is like the the bully, trendy, popular friend that everybody kind of hates. That yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> that pushes you around in the hallway at school. Yeah, it, it's funny. Uh, again, I should try to stop this, but it's funny because in New York it's they they're like also very like nobody supports them here either like if i wanted to go to a to a bar where people support juventus i'd have to go to like deep brooklyn and um now and then there was a pizzeria that i used to go to that a couple of them were fans and then they stopped showing the matches i think because people hated them so much so now i've got nowhere to go got no they do like aa meetings before you it's what I, yeah i feel like i'm in recovery for it it's terrible okay. so sorry uh, i think enough for the football yeah, sorry 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 sorry, sorry. No, it's fantastic it's fantastic never, never started an episode talking about soccer or football as you guys call it. <laughs> that's fine we usually uh we usually kick off the episodes by getting the origin stories like before you got into soccer uh, when you were quite a young buck do you do you recall how you first got into punk rock or any underground music yeah, so I'll tell you, this is the part that people want to hear. I'll tell you the shortest possible version. Um, so, you know, the late 80s, I uh, listened to a lot of metal, uh, which was sort of the outcast nerd music of choice at the time. And, and, and like hip hop, because hip hop was like what everybody listened to. And it was what I was on the radio in New York. And it was, it's funny because um, Billy, when I was, when Billy did a podcast recently, he was saying the same thing. And I was like, yeah, that's just like the, the common origin story. We all got hit by radiation. We all got we all got hit by the the hip hop radiation that gets you into music and like buying bootleg tapes and then that somehow transitions into metal, which is bizarre to say, but it was uh it was like the underground outcast music to listen to. And then you kind of get into punk because you see the metal kids 
or the, or the bands wearing the shirts, and you're like, who are the who are the misfits that you know uh, Cliff Burton is wearing? You know, his, their shirt all the time, and that's it. And it's the tapes that you can get like in a big store. So like, I'd go to like, I mean, all the outlets are closed now, obviously, because no music that you buy in a store but you, know, you go and you get a tape and like what tape is there oh well the misfits and the ramones and bad brains so that was like the first couple of bands i got into like in the early 90s so and then it just keeps going and you're still residing in new york yeah i live in the same neighborhood i grew up in so it's never uh yeah i'm never I'm probably never gonna leave unfortunately since it's changed a lot the city's kind of gotten a lot less uh it's less of a like a bohemian place it used to be like artists and musicians come here to like find themselves and like hone their craft now it's like finance bros come here to find themselves in, in, in a bar and uh hone their craft of ripping people off yeah i noticed that it's starting to be a bit like what uh los angeles used to be last decade in terms of uh you know migration towards there it's it's very much like a new it's like a big city thing like it's funny when i talk to any of my friends who live in any big cities around the world they all say the same thing you know they grew up there and they're like oh yeah nobody everyone was afraid of the city you know like 20 30 years ago because it was dangerous now everybody wants to live in the city because it's where like everything is happening but it's like made it so that nobody can actually live in the city and there's more air, there's more Airbnbs available in most of these cities now. Like Paris is more Airbnbs than rentals. New York yeah. is more Airbnbs than rentals. I'm sure that big cities in Italy are the same thing. Yeah, I'm from Rome, so that applies as well. Yes. So when it comes to the scene, um, in what ways did you watch it evolve and change since the 90s? And what's your favorite and maybe least favorite parts of the scene in your area? So, um, I mean, favorite part and least favorite part of the scene in the area, they're kind of, a, unfortunately, it's the same thing. Because New York is really, it's, it's, New York is New York hardcore. It's just always been New York hardcore, New York punk. And they kind of have, you know, one of, one of the things that's wonderful about it is the, I, the identity of these things hasn't really changed as much. It's kind of changed a little bit. But it's funny and disappointing at the same at the same time to see how little it's changed. Like when you say New York hardcore to pretty much anyone around the world, they're like, "Oh," and they, they do that because they're thinking like meathead, tough guy. Yo, what's up? We from New York, son. You know that kind of stuff. And it's like that's like what it was like for like the past like thirty years. Like it really, it's funny how quickly that developed out of the punk scene in the early 80s like i have a friend who's much older than me and he's like oh yeah it's been like that for a long time <laughs> it's like it's like this sort of like tough front that they put on well it's not even a front for a lot of them they, they will murder you but that just like doesn't go away it's just crazy how it stays at like the bad mid-tempo mafi shit that's become like synonymous with the scene just like persistence like it's terrible why can't you stop <laughs> Just stop playing it it's like and it's it's funny because like friends of mine are in bands like this and i'm just like but you listen to good music and you can't say that really but it's like you know better why do you why do you play like this 
It's nice and, that some uh, things stay the same, though. Yeah, and, it, and it's still, and there's always bands that I love that come out of this scene, and I'm like, I always talk about New York hardcore in the context of Station Cause like, we all, now, all of us very much grew up in it. You know, when the, the previous lineups, we had people who were from not, who were not from New York, but now we're all from New York. And um, everybody has like a mad ball shirt <laughs> somewhere or had a mad ball shirt. This is like, yeah, no shit. This is like, it's what we grew up with. So it's, it's a part of who we are. And it's funny how people react when they hear that. Cause they're like, are you serious? I'm like, no, I'm very serious. I've seen mad ball like easily a dozen times. <laughs> over many decades it's just so, who we are um outside of uh hardcore itself are there any other favorite local bands from your area that you would like to shout out it's not a hardcore like new york hardcore um yes <laughs> oh so, uh, i mean i always talk about the same bands because like I, it's not a great scene unfortunately but the bands that are here that are great are fantastic uh peak i don't know if any of you, if you guys are familiar with peak P-I-Q-U-E. They're, uh, they're like a screamo band. They've changed a lot, so it's hard to find a good representation of them. It, the best thing would be to try to find like, a video of them because they've changed their lineup. They've added people, but it's funny because I met them all uh, right when they were starting, and my last band played with them a lot, and we did a uh, four-way split with them, and that's Lytic, the band that I played in. And they're just fantastic, and I just saw them two weeks ago, and they had changed lineups a little bit, but it's still... Uh, the same guys just adding on, and it was better than ever. It was really incredible. And um, Stacia's going to be playing one of the reunion shows with them, and I'm really excited. So, right. glad you Brooklyn. mentioned that. Uh, shout out to Larry; he's been on the show. Good oh day. yeah, there you go. So yeah, you know, yeah, he's fantastic. Right. So I was uh, listening to the the podcast Billy did with uh, Jeremy Bohm. About the reunion, um, and he mentioned how you are using like, when it comes to new Seisha stuff. You're, you're using the same guitar that you used to, so basically the gear stayed the same. When it comes to your guitar work, just what was influencing your writing back then when you first started? What do you think influences your work currently? So uh, with Seisha, uh, it, it was a it was an interesting time for me because I kind of very deliberately was getting into jazz. I was very, very deliberately going through a, fa a phase where I was like, okay, this is what I'm into now. And it stuck, but it was funny, like how without any kind of curation, without really the internet to guide you, you just go into a record store and you start like flipping through and you're like, who's this guy? I don't know. Whatever this could take it. You like buy it for, a dollar, you know, in a, in a used bin and you take it home and you listen, you look at, so it was an interesting exploratory thing. And it's funny. The reason why I mentioned it like that is because how it developed, I didn't really get into jazz guitarists. So a lot of the stylistic things that I was emulating were more like pianists, like, like Tommy Flanagan and Th Thelonious Monk was huge for me. So it was funny, which was off minor was a Thelonious Monk composition and Aaron L was a Thelonious Monk composition. So it was funny that I was emulating a jazz pianist more than any jazz guitarist, but I did eventually encounter a lot of guitarists who did influence a lot of ways that I played as far as like uh, chord phrasing and stuff like that. But it's, it's a very incom they're incompatible genres. It's very hard to reconcile hardcore and jazz because 
hardcore is very to the point. You know, it's very much like first course, first course, bridge, mosh bar, first course, we're done. You know, jazz is like, all right, now we're going to kind of see where this goes. You can't really do that in hardcore. The kids will leave. Yeah. <laughs> be like, no, no, no. We don't have time for this. But um, it, did, it did change a lot of how I wrote because it introduced me to a lot of intervals, really, like, like just tonically things that I wouldn't have thought to put together. Um, and now I think a lot of people do that. And I don't think that it was I was responsible for it because I think people just naturally find these things. But um, for me, it was a revelation because, again, I was listening to a lot of stuff that was more like straightforward hardcore. And the, even the screamo or stuff was very different than it is today. Like bands in the 90s that I would call screamo were not like, they were more like Fugazi-ish kind of stuff. So less about like chord voicing and more about like dynamics. So. So why after all this time was it decided that now's the time for the reunion? Um, I mean, honestly, I think I think now that enough of us are talking, like we we had been talking about it for a long time. We had been it had been in the works. COVID really kind of fucked it up. But Colin and I had gotten together the week before the pandemic kicked off to start working on stuff. Um, and we'd been talking about it for about a year before that. Um it's, I, I think, I mean, from my life has been really static for a long time, other than like work. I just, I still played music. I still uh, do essentially the same shit that I did like 20 years ago in a lot of ways. But the other guys have had like families and open businesses. And like, I think for them, they kind of came back around. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I was always open to it, but um, it, it really kind of came back around for everybody else to be like, I'm ready to play music again, and this is the kind of music I want to play. So does that mean there's uh, there's also a potential for an off-minor reunion as well? Because I've had a lot of people tell me to ask you that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so the, the funny thing is, uh, so Steve would really have to kind of, uh, having never discussed it with Steve, I have a feeling we would say the same thing. And that's that it's very unlikely we would do an off-minor reunion for a couple of reasons. One is that we really did a lot. I mean, off minor for a band that it seems like a lot of people don't really give a fuck about. We did a lot. We put out a bunch of records. We played, we did a lot of touring. We played a lot of countries. Uh, we played like six times as many shows as Sasha did. <laughs> and we really, we did it. And it nearly killed us. Like Steve and I didn't talk for almost 10 years after off minor. So I don't think I'd want to put myself back in that dynamic. Like now we're very, very close. We're close again. Like I talked to him a couple of times a week and I wouldn't want to sacrifice that to recreate a dynamic that was kind of shitty. You know, it's just, it was just the nature of what we were doing. And it was me being younger and stupider and more of an asshole than I am now, which is, I'm still very much an asshole, but Less so. And um, also, I don't think Kevin wants to do it. So <laughs> I think that Kevin at this point in his life is just like, what? No. So I would be very surprised if that would be something. And this is this is just as much. You know, the other thing about Off Minor that's funny is when I tell people like, you know, the first Off Minor songs were 
the songs I was working on for station, they're like, seriously? I'm like, no. So it's very much like the same gap in my life being occupied by both. So to do both reunions doesn't really make sense, especially if I'm doing it with Steve. So. Well, they wanted me to ask, so <laughs> you can all stop harassing me now. I asked. <laughs> so aside of Satia, Off Minor, Old Ghost, Lytic, Guns Don't Run, this year is one, and I think I'm missing a couple other bands you've played in. Is there any projects you're currently writing for? Because it always seems like you got something going on. Yeah, you, you missed you missed the other current one. The other one I'm doing right now, which is which is Pembroke. Oh, sorry, um, I missed one. That's okay. So yeah, Pembroke is the one that I'm doing right now. It's um, basically Lytic. Lytic was a two-piece, um, myself and Frankie, and we just kind of got assimilated into Pembroke. We just like morphed into Pembroke by adding more people. So it was almost like an off-minor station kind of thing, where you just tack on some more people and you get a new band. Um, but it's, um, and it's even funnier because when Lytic toured in, in Italy, our friend Ron was singing for us. So it was all three of us screaming at once. And Ron is the singer for Pembroke. So it really is like Lytic tour version plus a guitarist. And I play bass in that. And it's more New York hardcore-y, but it's also kind of just like fun punk stuff. And it's lighthearted. It's, uh, I mean, political in some aspects, but very deliberately not not heavy you know we're not like emotionally heavy it's, it's a it's a it's a little bit more of like a light sort of like hey let's enjoy uh a fun punk punk song here where where did you guys play in italy so we uh so lytic did a whole uh week i guess it was nine days with kavala yeah um and we did mostly i the, the furthest south we went was rome so we did um uh, what year was that? That was like three years ago. Oh, okay, right. We played uh, Carmignolo, Milano, uh, uh, Roma, Lonigo, uh Played Forley. I know, missing some places. I know it. Bologna. That's, it. Cool. That's such a long tour. Yeah, it, well, off minor, we, we when we off minor toured Italy the second time, people were like, "You're out of your minds." We did, <laughs> and we played Napoli and and like Ancona, and I was like, "We could have gone further." I would have, I would have gone further south even, but people were like, "It's impossible." Wait, have so, you ever toured Puglia, where Kivala is from? Oh, I would love to. I was yeah. really, I mean, honestly, I mean, Andrea did a fantastic job, and all those guys in Kivala are like. Amazing. I, I miss them so much. Like I was just in Italy a couple of months ago and I really fucked up by not going to Bari because I love Bari. I love Puglia. Wait, you should have. You I know, I know. I was there for a month and it somehow I just got like halfway through the trip and I was like, I had like an oh shit moment where I'm like, I can't do everything that I want to do. And I had to sacrifice Puglia, which I guess is not an uncommon thing, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty far south, but, you know, next time. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I, I had such a great time there when I was there uh, last year. It was like, it was, it was the best part of the trip, and I didn't want to leave. Because you, you were in Milan in March when uh, 
the 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 10th year anniversary show happened um and i was actually supposed to give you a ride to the venue and then you managed to go yourself (laughs) (laughs) so just to just explain that situation it's a hilarious story so so enrico from from uh is a good friend of mine and he gives me the address he sent me the address for the, the venue. Now I'm like just getting off a plane and they lost my luggage and I'm yeah. like in a terrible mood. So I look at the address, I put it into Google and it's, and it's said, in the middle of but fuck no. <laughs> no, that's the thing though. He didn't give me the Google coordinates, he gave me the address. Right. So there's actually an address of that in Milano. Okay. So I look it up and I'm like, oh, I can get there. And he's like, you can. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm not even walk there. And he's like, you can't walk there. And I'm looking at the map and I'm like, dude, I can walk there. So he was thinking, he's Jamie's out of his mind right now. It's like a seven hour walk. But yeah. he's like, okay, if you say so. And the same thing with John Luca's like, dude, you can't walk there. I'm like, I'll walk there. Why is everybody saying that I can't walk there? I'm walking. It's dude, we, we, were all, we were all gaslighting you. <laughs> and then, then somebody actually sends me the Google map thing and I'm like, oh shit. Oh fuck. This is like almost like in Bergamo. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like an hour and a half drive. What was I saying? So then I like an hour before the show, also I had like no clothes. Like they lost all my, like they lost my suitcase. I had no, I had nothing. Some, I had no winter coat. So I'm like, Fuck it. I basically came here to go to this show. So I'm going to the show. So I got I got an Uber. And it was like a hundred euros to get me out there. And I'm yeah. wearing like sweatpants that I wore on the plane. And then at the end of the show, I it didn't occur to me that I have no way to get back because I'm not gonna be able to get an Uber back. So fortunately Who gave you a ride back? Um Mario from um He's from Napoli. He does a fest. I, 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 I Mario Steen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank God he stuck around to give yeah. me a ride. I would have been sleeping on the floor of Bloom. I would have like, I would have been like, I'm I'm gonna freeze to death out there. So can you guys just let me sleep here tonight like a homeless person? So once the show was done, who uh, drove you uh, to your hotel back in Milan? So that was. Whoop, hold on one second. So that was um, Mario from uh, Napoli. I completely forgot his name. Shout out Mario Orsini. Yes, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. I, uh, he really saved my life because I literally would have frozen to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was cold, and, but it was an awesome show. And I feel bad. I was kind of keeping you guys on the line about uh, taking me out there, but I was waiting for my bags. Like the airline was like, oh, they're coming. They're going to be there any any minute now. And then I found out that they weren't even in, in Italy. They were in France. Yeah, just everyone so, was lying to you at that point. <laughs> I'm sure about like 20 hours into the ordeal, I was like, fuck this country. <laughs> and then you ended up staying for a month. So. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and then it took me a couple more weeks to come back around to fuck this country. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
everybody uh everybody's wanting to know is is there any chance that you'll be writing new material with satia now that you guys are coming back uh so <laughs> yeah um uh, i feel like i should clear this with the other members first it's a good we've call. we've talked about it it's um okay it's really tough uh i think without hmm, it's tough <laughs> when you've been broken up for this long to try to do material because unless there were songs that you wrote then that you like dug up the tapes and you're like oh yeah we never did record all this stuff you know then it's it's like an authentic frozen moment in time that the band was really doing you know at the time now it's kind of like 46 year old me trying to write like 20 year old me you know it's like which is you know it's problematic it's not necessarily impossible i talked to billy about this and he said the exact same thing lyrically he's like it's a different head i'm in i'm like in a totally different place in my life and to sit down and try to like replicate it would be like a cover band you know it'd be like someone like i'm gonna write something that sounds like not even a cover band it'd be like someone like trying to like copy the style so it's it's come up and i think we're gonna try uh, i i I'm, I'm always writing music that i think whether it's been off minor or lytic even has kind of derived from the stuff that i was doing in seisha like it's very much like the style of stuff that i write and you know it's, i've had people tell me offliner sounds nothing like station i'm like that's interesting <laughs> because like i literally it's like the same process for me you know it's if it, it became a little bit more about me and a little bit less about working with other people with offminer because you know it was just three of us so it, it's come up and i think we're going to try but i can't make any promises that it's going to work so well i'm glad i asked i'm glad i asked yeah I was wondering if you know that would happen and and how that would work. It's like you said, it would be like a cover band, right? And you don't want to write new material and change the sound completely. Yeah, and it's it becomes like a question of like authenticity because like if it's still if it's still us, it's still Seisha. But like if people hear it and they go, "Well, that doesn't sound like Seisha. That sounds like Bon Jovi," you know, it's like. It, it's just, it, it's still, it loses that external validity. It, it loses the, you know, we're, we think we're rocking, but like, if it doesn't sound like what it's supposed to sound like to the people who listen to us, you know, unfortunately, we do, you do have to kind of, you do have to keep that in mind. And it's, you might as well do a different band then, which people do. You know, there's like, yeah, I mean, it's a weird example to bring up, but there's a band that I love from the 80s called Heresy. I'm actually wearing a Heresy shirt right now. Too bad, don't have the, the video. Um, but the guys in Heresy have been in bands together for like 40 years, and they keep doing it together because they love playing music, but like they change the style a little bit. It's still hardcore, but it's like, it doesn't sound like, it still sounds a lot like Heresy, but it's like, but they can't call themselves Heresy because it doesn't actually sound like Heresy, if you know what I mean. So in a way, like if we're gonna write new material, it almost makes sense to be like, well, it's the five of us, but it's not Seisha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But Bon Jovi slaps, so. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to sound like Bon Jovi, I assure you. Okay, okay. That, that, is, that is good to hear. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, um, 
What did I have here? So I'm trying to post this compilation because I didn't know I was doing that today. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm also multitasking, so it's... Oh, good, good, good. We're all, we're all fully involved answer, in this, eh? I have to answer questions <laughs> about whether or not I've ever been exposed to tuberculosis. So. Oh, good. Have you? I have. <laughs> well, I'm being completely honest with you and the form that I'm filling out. Oh, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a physician. So tuberculosis is everywhere. Every time I get a TB test, I'm always amazed that I haven't zero converted to being positive for tuberculosis. <laughs> Amazing. So uh, <laughs> you want to do the promo thing? You guys got some shows coming up. Where are you, where are you guys headed to? Oh, um, so yes, um, no, it's just, it's, it's funny cause I can't even keep track of, like, I feel like I'm the least capable person to, I have to go on Instagram to find out what shows we're playing. I know we're playing three shows in New York. We're playing four shows in New York. See, this is why you can't ask me this stuff. I'm, I'm the least capable member in the band to tell you this kind of stuff. I'm actually going to go on the station Instagram to tell you Amazing. so it's accurate. Um, <laughs> Doing his own research. It's so like, thorough. So. I'm like, so I'm, I'm just, I, and, and, and the guys in the band know it too. It's it, like, we do Zoom meetings and like every now and then they'll just like see me like sitting on the couch, like the video will pop up and they'll be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm watching soccer. I'm sorry, guys. I'm listening. I swear. I'm <laughs> listening. I'm listening. And they're like, we just caught you lift your shirt up and scratch your stomach. And I'm like, I know, I know. This is why we don't do this. This is why I don't do video, to be honest. You should I was like, yeah, you don't want to know. It's like, yeah. uh, so, okay. So I actually have the dates in front of Yes, we are playing four shows in New York. Uh, we're playing from the 17th of uh, November to the 19th of November at this venue uh, called St. Vitus, which is, I uh, like, the best venue in New York right now. It's And it's been going strong for like 10 years i played there in a in a bunch of bands and seen a hundred shows there and it's just fantastic to play there and when we started talking about the reunions it was obviously where we're going to go because we known uh Artie shepherd the guy who, who it's his venue since the 90s and he's just such a fantastic guy and he's really gone out of his way to be like everything you know you you, you we, we, we want you guys to do this here so and then we're also playing a show at this venue called the Poisson Rouge, which is a much bigger venue. The nice thing about Symbitis is it's like a cozy venue. It's like a 200, 250 capacity venue. So it'll be like a small, like a, like a hardcore show that we would have played if people actually cared about us when we were around. Um, and, but the Poisson Rouge is a much bigger venue, like uh, Converge played there a couple of years ago. Like it's, it's so that'll be, that was the show we put in to kind of like, because the show sold out and we're like, come on, we, we're going to keep trying to accommodate people. And then we're also playing in Philadelphia because Philadelphia is kind of where everybody lives now. So uh, Billy, Billy and Steve moved to Philadelphia like 20 years ago, more, 25 years ago. Um, so it's, it's their home. It's like where they're raising their kids. So we're going to play a show there. And that show, we've announced the lineup. We're playing with uh, Soul Glow and Massonera, which is Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, good friends of, I mean, Massonero, good friends of mine, guys in Soul Glow are awesome, and they're just, they're both incredible bands, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I guess uh, I was going to ask if there's any chance you'll be making your way to Canada. Obviously, Vicky wants to know if you're going to Italy. <laughs> the world wants to know if there's a world tour, but I'm guessing you're not the guy to ask this question to, eh? <laughs> 
so we are very much taking it slow as far as this stuff goes. We are planning on playing other places for sure. Um, I'm very, very interested in playing Europe because uh, no offense to pretty much anywhere else on, on the planet, but I, I love Europe, like in general. Like it's a weird thing to say that you love a continent, especially a diverse continent, but I, I would love to play Italy and uh, I would love to do as much time as anyone, as we can feasibly do given our lives. And that's the problem is that everyone's got jobs and families and other responsibilities. So it's very hard for us to take that time away, especially you know, with families, you know, young children. You know, it's like, you can't just be like, daddy's leaving to go scream at some kids. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> daddy's got to go yell at people. He'll be, he'll be back in a couple of months. You know, it's like people do it, but it's like their jobs, you know, it's, this isn't our job. So, and especially for like Adam, you know, he closes his business when he does this, you know, it's like his business or, you know, so it's his livelihood. And, you know, for me, like I have to let them know about time I take off, you know, everybody has to let their jobs know about time they take off months in advance but like for for a physician you know it becomes like coverage you know it's like i have to i have responsibilities that need to be covered by other people in my practice so if i'm doing that you know frivolously they'll fire me so but i do want to definitely i would love to go to europe but touring is not really a thing like we're definitely not going to do like a month and i'd be very surprised if we even do a real week we've been talking about doing like a long weekend like a friday saturday sunday kind of thing Please don't catch tuberculosis in the meantime. <laughs> it's, it's become less and less likely over the past couple of years, but still, just every now and then, I'm just like, seriously, really, still? <laughs> well, now that, uh, now that you guys are back, I know you don't know exactly where you guys are going or what the big plan is yet, but now that you're back, what band haven't you played with that you'd just love to share the stage with? Oh, wow. That's what, that's uh like an actual reasonable thing or like traveling time and space like doctor who like i can get like mozart up on stage with us to like uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> which let, is let kind of a thing now let you imagine i mean uh, i mean i'm realistically imagination like i would love to play with like fugazi like that would there was such an important band to us you know to that for that generation it was like that was like the roadmap for everything because they changed, you know, hardcore really. Like before Fugazi existed, there was, it was really all kind of the same shit, you know, and like of varying qualities and like little things that made each band identifiable and unique. But, you know, Fugazi comes along and it's just like, you know, them taking like their weird passion for reggae and translating it and not even being like, oh, but we're going to do reggae. It's like, no, no, like that was like, their influences from outside of hardcore coming in and changing the way they played hardcore. So Fugazi would be, I, I, if Fugazi did a reunion, I would, we would email the shit out of them and be like, please, <laughs> please. Okay, so less imaginative. What about a modern day band? Who would you play with? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't really have like, you know, it's also. Uh, I mean, what we do, I mean, especially for me, like I, I love the bands that I know and I know the bands that I love, you know, if you know what I mean, like 
I don't really have dreams of like playing with like Aerosmith or something, you know, obviously, you know, it's not like there's no <laughs> big rock that I love, you know, realistically, I, I don't think it would be a good experience having, having played some weird shows with like bigger acts. Um, it doesn't really, it doesn't really satisfy like a dream for me would be to like to go back to Italy and play with like play a huge show with like all my friends in Italy who are in bands like Oine and Kavala and, and Shizune and One Dying Wish. That would be like a huge dream for me. Um, and we're kind of living it now because like every band that we listed that we want to play with, you know, we're, I mean, now we can't give it away because we're not announcing the lineups yet, but we're really playing with a lot of the bands that we would want to play with. Uh, like nobody said no, which is very flattering. And sometimes just some like conflicts and, you know, people who just couldn't do it, but nothing really comes to mind. Like, I feel like, it's a, it's a great place to be with this reunion because I feel like we can really do a lot of the things that we couldn't do when we were around. Okay. So <clears throat> you have like a favorite show or tour memory as a band, if you can, uh, if you can recall that. Yeah. When, if you can recall that far back, cause it's been what, 24 years. I mean, I will tell you one of my favorite station stories, but it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a horrible story. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> tell it then. Absolutely. Tell it. So we were on tour. I can't remember. I don't think this was the big tour. This was, I don't think this was the, uh, the month tour, the big tour. I mean, we, I mean, we did a couple of week long tours and by a couple, I mean like maybe three or four, you know, it, it correlated to, um, like a college schedule, you know, cause it was like, we've got spring break. We're going on tour. It's winter break. We're going on tour. Summer vacation. We're going on tour. So, um, one of the tours, we had just had like a really bad string of shitty places we were staying at, where it was just like everyone was just such a piece of shit. And like the houses are filthy and they're like, uh, you know, like the bathrooms don't work. And we're like, oh God, can we just like find like real human beings to stay with for once? And this was um, post LP lineup. So this was Colin and Steve, Billy, Greg, and I. So. So we played in Milwaukee, I think, and there were these guys, and I'm not going to name any names. I'd be very surprised if they listened to this. I think that they all are out of hardcore and music in general by now because it was so long ago, and they were older guys to begin with. But they did a label, and they were professionals. You know, they were like, they weren't like 21-year-old kids like living in like a crash house. You know, they were like, Oh no, we have jobs. We don't get up to go to work tomorrow. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, Thank God these guys are going to put us up tonight. So we drive, we follow them to the house. We get to the house and we walk inside. And I'm like, hey, I got to, I got to use the bathroom. And he's like, oh yeah, it's right down there. Um, just keep your shoes on. <laughs> okay. And I go, ooh, keep, keep my sh-. So I go in there, fucking flooded and filthy no and i'm just like oh god oh god it's like not, not brain spotting. So I, I do the best i can given what's going on and i walk outside i'm like hey so who's gonna sleep with the van me i'm gonna sleep in the van tonight i'll see you guys later you know like leave somebody in the van just in case anything happens and they're like, no, no, it's cool. We're, we're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no, I'm like, it's no, no, no. Just in case you never know. I've, the guys are trying to talk me out of it. And I'm like, no, please. No. So I get in the van and I lie down. Three minutes later, 
I open up the door and it's, I think it was Colin first. <laughs> Colin is like, yeah, no fucking way. No way. It's like I put the I put my sleeping down on the floor and the carpet's like stiff. You know, it's like it's like the fabric doesn't move anymore from like being possibly vomited on so many times. He's like, nah, nah. So Colin comes in and then like two minutes later, and it's Billy. And it's like one by one, everybody started leaving until finally it was Greg. And Greg literally doesn't even knock. He just opens the door to the driver's side. And he's like, we're fucking going. We're going. We're going. I'll pay for the hotel. And everyone's like, don't we need to tell them? But he's like, fuck them. And I'm telling them a thing. He said he was lying in his sleeping bag and he was fully clothed. And he didn't want to like take any of his clothes off. And he's just lying there in the dark. And he sees a cockroach walking on the ceiling. No. And then it falls. <laughs> he bursts out of his sleeping bag, grabs his shit and ran to the van. He's just burned the house down already. It was just like, it was really, they were like, should we tell them we left? We're like, no, fuck them. I mean, considering you remember it after all this time, it was pretty, you know, scarring. It was like everybody had a story. Everybody had like what broke them. And it all happened very quickly. It was like someone tried to, use, like someone went into the kitchen to like get a glass of water and like all the glasses were filled with human remains or something. You know, it was just like... <laughs> It was just like one thing after another it was like, what is your individual breaking point to make you not want to stay here? Oh, and there it is right there in your face. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a lot of those. Touring in the 90s was an ordeal. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be strange, especially before like the peak of the internet getting from place to place. and. Oh yeah, no, no cell phones going to checking your voicemail at a payphone to see if anyone left a voicemail on your home phone to see if the show's still happening. Like, no you could check your voicemail and find out the show. That's how you find out the show's been canceled. Like, crazy shit like that oh, before no. cell phones. Like, a life before cell phones really is, it's, it's unimaginable to a lot of people. And it was treacherous. And you can imagine, like, 10 years before that, like, the you know first wave hardcore bands like no voicemail you know you just get to the you don't even have an answering machine you have somebody <laughs> at your house who's like hey greg ginn in black flag somebody just called from the venue and the show's canceled oh really we just drove eight hours to get there oh, oh. Shit. yeah and i remember being upset about how long it took me to connect on dial up okay yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a different world no kidding so in a in a different world, I know you mentioned Fugazi a lot, but if you could see any other band do a reunion show, since so many bands are doing the reunion. Thing, oh yeah, who would you who would you want to see? I mean, they've kind of, the funny thing is like they've really all done the reunions. You know, it, it, it's not even a question of like who would do it, but like who would do it so that I could see them. You know, it's like I would I I missed the Groundwork reunion. Like I don't know if you're familiar with Groundwork. They're like one of my favorite bands of all time. They were like, um, you know, like on the outsides of like definitely more of like heavy, straight edge hardcore, but like with real dynamics that were really influential on what we did. Like Groundwork are absolutely a big frame of reference for Sasha. And they did a reunion, but they did it in Arizona. And Steve went, but I I just couldn't I couldn't do it. Like it was not even a question of like anything other than just time. Like I couldn't get the time off. So uh, it's, it's funny to ask this question because I feel like 
20 years ago, it would be like all like crazy dream fantasies of like, oh, I would love to see Citizens Arrest. You know, they're one of my favorite bands, like literally like my favorite band. And like Citizens Arrest plays all the time. And my friend Derek plays drums for them. You know, it's like, <laughs> so it's funny how like time and space has been broken where it's like, I, you know, I remember being a kid and I just missed Rorschach. Like Rorschach broke up like weeks after their, I, I, I think Protestant might have actually even been kind of posthumous. So like I missed seeing them. And now like I, I've seen them like four times. So it's like, um, there really isn't a lot of, I mean, Fugazi would be like the big one because I can't imagine it happening, but just to see them one more time, like I, I saw them so many times, but they were always so amazing. It was just such like a, religious experience to see Fugazi, just to see them one more time. And uh, I don't know, I can't really think of anyone else. Because again, they're all doing reunions. Ask Factor 4. <laughs> there you go. There, I never saw Ask Factor 4. I'd love, I want an Ask Factor 4 reunion. If, that, if the guys in Ask Factor 4 are listening, I never got <laughs> to see you guys. Do a reunion. <laughs> and I hope they are. I hope they are. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> And again, like I saw so many of the bands that I love, I was fortunate enough to be like in on that. So like I saw Shotmaker, I saw, you know, it's like, I, I saw Coleman, you know, I saw Three Studies for Crucifixion, like all the bands like in the 90s that I was obsessed with, I got to see, so. Okay, well, we're going to do a, we're going to do a 180 here. One of my oh, favorites, sure. one of my favorite stupid questions I love asking um, assuming you're not a pacifist, especially if you grew up in the New York hardcore scene, if, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> if you could punch anybody in the face like as hard <laughs> as you could <laughs> with absolutely no repercussions, who would Ooh. you deck and why? No I mean, repercussions. You just got to take it. You just plow them out. No, I mean, that's, I mean, given the, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of low hanging fruit, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, you know, Donald Trump, I mean, mm, it's mm -hmm. really, it, you know, you don't even have to think it's, you know, it's especially, especially growing up in New York. Cause it's, it's, it was so funny when he became president because I was like, I grew up knowing he's a con artist, like literally being a child, like a small child. And if someone were to come up to me at like age, like six and say like, so young, man, what do you think of Donald Trump? And I'd be like, he's a con you know, I'd be like, it's like, six. he was just like, at six, you'd be talking like that. Oh yeah. I grew up in a family like that. Yeah, for sure. Nice, so, nice, nice. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely would have said something like that. <laughs> if my parents weren't around, definitely. Um, <laughs> no, it's just, it was really just unbelievable that he got elected because he pulled a scam on the entire country. Like, oh, and I'm a self-made businessman and I'm so successful. It was just like every week in the newspaper was just like, oh, Trump declares bankruptcy again, yet somehow he continues to have a, 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 a corrupt real estate empire. It was just like, and then when he's running for president, I'm like, there's no way this is going to happen because he's so obviously a con man. Like, it's just right. like, there's nobody in New York who never saw him as anything but a con man. And it was just like, somehow he continued, like, and it, it, again, it was funny, like, I mean, a weird sort of digression. My parents were in the fashion industry. So growing up, like I had like celebrities in my life, like because my parents made shoes for like everybody from like um, David Bowie to Divine from the John Waters films, you know? So that's cool. They would say like, 
he would he would like to show up to parties uninvited and they wouldn't let him in you know like <laughs> so it, it's funny like as a new yorker it was just like no he's obviously full of shit and he could not possibly be less of like and i'm using like the air quotes an american you know he's he fucking loathes these people like he was looking out over the the january 6th uh riot that he hosted at these people with their american flags and their confederate flags and he walked off stage and he probably was like these fucking disgusting pieces of shit it's like he it's just like it's such and it's so obvious and it's just like and the things that he did to new york it's like i hated him for i've, I've hated him my whole life so yeah oh no no hesitation i would take that opportunity to punch him in the face that's that's you know he was so helpful in home alone i did I never saw this coming i mean he was on wwf i mean this is like That's amazing. That's amazing. That's fine. <laughs> so you're, you're a big Biden supporter then, or <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I, it, <laughs> I mean, I, I frequently <laughs> think about a line from the band The Bad Brains, which is uh, from the song Big Takeover. Just understand me when I say there's no hope for this USA. It's 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 just like it's the end of the empire here. Damn, yeah, no arguments here. That was uh, the most elaborated answer to this question. <laughs> yeah. Like it was so elaborated that you, you, it, it even got deep. So now I feel embarrassed to ask this other one, but I'm gonna do it. So, um, is there any shameful or cringy music you enjoy? Like, what, what music do you listen to that could be considered? A guilty pleasure to some. I personally am opposed to the concept of guilty pleasure because I listen to too much of that music. <laughs> uh, is there anyone you you would think of? You know, it's funny. There's really not a lot. <laughs> I mean, it, but the thing that comes to mind that I I, I started laughing when you're asking the question is that I've actually gotten really into, and I was telling uh, John Luca about this a little bit. I got really into Caparezzo recently. No fucking way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and because I, of, because he's from Puglia. Or you, you know, it's funny. And there was like a moment. There was my like own moment. There was there was a stretch. For, for those of you who are not familiar, he's he's an Italian. Uh, he's an Italian rapper, and I'm I'm kind of like going through his catalog, and some of it kind of gets a little like Eminem-y sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, but then like some of it's very good, and like, I I love like vintage hip-hop and i think like most modern hip-hop is shit and i'm like this guy actually has like a fucking flow like he, it's not just like this like, uh, yeah. like was... a guy who sounds like he just fell down the stairs and you're like you, you're you know right? do you know that he actually has like extremely debilitating tinnitus really yeah he basically has lost the his hearing like all, all of a sudden and he has like this uh, very, very strong case of tinnitus and uh, oh, basically trying everything, but uh, 
It, I, I don't think he's going to be making music anytime soon because of that. But wow. uh, he used to be very, like, one of the most creative rappers. Um, some would think he was a bit corny, but I know you asked John for uh, hip hop recommendations yeah. from Italy, and I'm pretty sure that the things he sent you are way more corny. But, <laughs> but, uh, but that's a good one, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. I, I saw I was eating pizza in Napoli and I saw the video for uh, uh, Come Pripyat and I'm just like, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I went home and I listened to it again. And I was like, yeah, I do like this. And then I, was, I, got, I got really like nervous and I'm like, wait a minute, is this shit? Should I not be listening to this? And I was like, no, fuck it. I like this. I'm going to listen to this. And then I went back and forth and I'm like, no, is, is this like system of a down or something? Like, am I getting into like new metal now? Yeah. And everyone's like, no, it's fine. It's cheesy, but he's okay. So, um, as a Canadian and an Italian host, we're curious, uh, who's your favorite musical act out of Canada and Italy, respectively? So, Canada, like, historically, like, ever? Yeah. Or, like, currently? <laughs> or both? I'll do a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, Canada has, had, has, and had, has, currently, and has had, like, a really fucking awesome scene and like i remember a time in the 90s like great american state stake religion was a label that was putting out like a lot of bands from canada and, and it was just like the the best stuff it was like uh shot maker put out their first lp on that and um band drift uh who are crazy i don't think enough people are know who they are because they're a bunch of drifts anyway but the canadian drift and uh chokehold who have kind of gotten a little weird now but vintage chokehold were awesome and like really political and really like nice yeah uh, could like explain their politics too like there was a lot of like information in like a chokehold song about like what they're upset about and um union of uranus were like life another band that like to slowly change stuff like you, know, you talk to the guys in orchid they're like oh yeah union of uranus that's what we were trying to sound like you know it's like um and now like um the big one for me recently was uh was Frail Hands. I like I just when I that first Frail Hands record came out, it was all I listened to for a year. I was just like obsessed with that first Frail Hands LP. They are amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I just yeah, just like flawless. Totally. Probably. Yeah, I um I'm trying to think of anyone else. Italy's easier. Italy's a lot. Because I, I, I love Italian hardcore from like the earliest like uh the, the alpha to omega here like i you know i, I routinely i have two negazione shirts like i routinely listen to like indigesti and cheetah chrome motherfuckers that's like daily listening for me like i i but like current bands like all like everything i mentioned like i you know they're friends but i'm obsessed with the new kavala record that one-sided lp they did fuck yeah i like like no no embellishment like i we toured with them and i saw them you know every night for a week and like i knew how good they were and when i went over there last year they gave it to me and first of all it looked incredible and i get home and i put it on and i'm just like this is this is like the best thing i've heard in in, in a decade like it i i listen to that record like almost every day that's true Kivala yeah. is very good. I just, I mean, and, and you know, with, with love to like 
all my other bands that I love, like One Dying Wish, Anoina, Shizune, obviously. I mean, I could tour with them again. And I would I would fly back to Italy to see them. Like when they were playing, I heard they were playing in Sardinia. And I was like, shit, can I get some time to do that? Like, never even been to Sardinia. Maybe I should do that. But I kind of feel like they're going to get creeped out if I just show up in Sardinia at their show. So. What's up? <laughs> with the flip-flops and the sunglasses <laughs> a Hawaiian shirt fresh from the beach your average American in vacation in Italy yeah exactly oh, god I hate tourists <laughs> sorry anyway so is this your first um, is this your first podcast back since the reunion no, I really, everything's been, well, Dave interviewed me, pod, podcasted me um, before the reunion. I think, I think we were talking about it, but I, I, so I think that there was always kind of like a, a bit of a, like, shit, sorry, say something kind of thing. Like, I didn't want to mention it, but I don't think it came up, or if it did, I can't remember. But, uh, how, uh, did he? I don't remember. Maybe it is, actually. I can't remember how um, if, it, if it was like a surprise or if it was. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, I can't remember, but I think you're. I think it, I think it, in fact, what this is the first one I'm, I'm doing since it's official. Since like the announcement that you guys have been rehearsing together, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, now that you mention it, uh, I got I got a little out of order, but no, I think so. Yeah. So as a big uh, Screamo buff, obviously, we, we've interviewed a lot of Screamo bands on the show. Um, you guys were one of the pioneers. Is there a favorite split you have? Because, I mean, every Screamo band has a good split. Every good Screamo band has a good split, right? I mean, so I, many. for me, I think that the Off Minor My Disco split is probably the favorite, my favorite one-off yeah split record that i did i was really happy with that i love that song i really think that 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 some the song for those who don't know is called some clown which i uh thought was a, a hilarious title um and it's um i really am very happy with the words very happy with the music very happy with the recording it had a lot of cool things on it that um uh, a lot of weird details that come to mind with that song. There's a part in the song that is in drop A, like an open drop A, and it's kind of subtle, so I don't think people realize it. So, like, we did, like, weird recording stuff. It was one of those things where it's, like, a lot of the off-minor recording, because we did it all ourselves, except for the first record, we did it, Steve did it himself. Like, we did it ourselves. Makes it sound like I was actually doing anything other than playing, but but we would bang out, like, 12 songs in a weekend so to do uh some clown is it was just like we're doing this split the guys in my disco are, are really good friends of mine i haven't seen them in years but like i still talk to them every now and then and so we went we got together to do this song and it really was like to take the time to really do it it's like the most comfortable i am with a record that I say like shit I should I there's nothing I feel like I could have done differently or better and I love that song I, I just I, I really felt like it was a, a, a real achievement for me musically or, and, and lyrically and I love everybody's performance I love the bass line that Kevin plays um 
think our voices sound cool. Um, and the MyDisco side is fantastic. It was really like, I, I love MyDisco now and I loved MyDisco then. They've changed a lot. If you're not familiar with them, like now they're a little bit more like kind of a, uh, more avant-garde, but like Troubled Receiver was the song and it was still kind of like emotional, hardcore-y. And it was when we were touring with them. And so I was just like, just crazy about those guys and seeing them all the time. And the art is done by our friend, Joe Eubank, uh, who, we've known forever and he used to travel with us and tour with us and he was in life to tech and coffin so it's like every single facet of it from like the cover is just so crazy and the art's like consistent through the whole record and you know it's just such an accomplishment so i mean i'm, I'm happy with like pretty much everything i've done but that was just like as close to like perfect is there anything you would have changed throughout your musical career like any recording or anything oh. looking back you could have you wanted to do, do differently yeah <laughs> i mean um i mean big things that come to mind you know off minor was the last like two or three years of off minor were tough because i was in i was under i mean i could make a lot of excuses but it was a lot of stress i was in medical school and it was really hard and i really took it out on my bandmates i took it out on everybody in my life you know to be fair like i was just a miserable prick to pretty much everybody in my life. But I really, you know, for something that should have been fun and something that we should have like enjoyed and like really, you know, got the most out of, especially, you know, knowing that at a point in your life, you can't do that anymore. Like, you know, whether it's in your forties, your fifties, or your sixties, at some point you're gonna stop doing it. So to kind of appreciate it now, like I should have been like, you know, I really should have like been able to like, separate the stress and the shittiness of my life you know, going through medical school and not take it out on my friends and make that less of a shitty experience for them. But, um, and recording in general, <laughs> it's just, I always have regret. I think every, everybody has regrets about recording, but like, I feel like we, so few projects have I've done have not been rushed in some way or another. It's just the nature of it. And it's funny when I, when I talk to bands who really take their time, like I was talking to guys in Massanera about, their new record and they really took their time and i was like god you know that sounds amazing and i feel like i've never done that like it's always been like all right I two hours left all right i have to redo the guitar okay so all right i'm gonna play it okay that's good enough don't worry about it it's fine okay what else we have to do oh yeah i have to redo that okay okay get back in the phone it was like it was always like that i feel like every record i've recorded has been like that so it's just it's it sometimes it's just biting off more than you can chew in for three for you guys out there who are thinking about recording, try to take your time. It'll be better that way. You think you'd ever re-record any songs? Probably not. I mean, um, <laughs> like, don't like the recordings. <laughs> Would you ever do it again? No. Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, it's cross. It's the it, off minor reunion. Probably not off minor re-recording. <laughs> it's it's funny there's this band we're friends with uh, i probably shouldn't talk about it. there's a band we're friends with that i'm not going to name because they, they might want to spring it on people <laughs> okay but they actually just re-recorded all their stuff because they weren't having with the recordings and they're not planning on playing out they just wanted to do this and i'm like that's actually a really cool idea so it's something because it's not like there's anything on the off minor records it's like catastrophic but i just feel like to get together and take our time and just like, we redid this song. We're not planning on playing it out, but if you're interested in hearing a better version of it, here you go. 
So I debated asking this question. I can totally edit it out if you don't want, but uh, no, no, it's fine. It's pretty it, much nothing's off limits. Oh, fair enough. Is there yeah. a is there a favorite out of your your musical children that you've produced? I mean, part off minor. Off oh, minor. That yeah. quick. That was, yeah. 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 And I mean, off minor was like um, because you know Seisha, the Seisha breakup is yeah a story for another day it's uh, it's long uh it wasn't it wasn't and obviously it wasn't bad like we all stayed friends like we we all continued to play together like a hot cross and off minor and the fiction would all we played shows together and people were always kind of like really i'm like yeah we're not not friends it just it was not it was just not working out like it should at the time so, but off minor really was like the, the, the seamless transition, you know, it was like me and Matt and Steve had been playing together to do Seisha and we'd been working on new stuff. And when Seisha kind of fell apart, it was just kept, we just kept going. And then we just got into a thing and it was me becoming a lyricist and me becoming more of a writer in the sense that I really wrote everything. Like, I don't think Steve or Kevin would, would disagree that I really wrote everything. So it really is me. Like, it's me, you know, it's all me. Like it's, you know, and they did, they, I mean, not that they didn't do their thing, but like they did, and they did it a lot. You know, Kevin wrote a lot of fantastic bass parts and like took things that I gave him and changed them and made them better. And Steve, you know, obviously like I didn't write Steve's parts. I didn't tell Steve what to play. So it's like all Steve's development and collaborating on like structure and stuff. But a lot of it really did like come out of my head of like, this is how it goes. And that was the way we functioned. And it was so it's really like the kind of the purest form of what and it was coming out of me, you know, and lyrically too, you know, it's like, it's a roadmap to my life, you know, very, uh, you know, people come up to me and they talked about like off minor songs. And they're like, wow, that's fucked up. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just laugh. So, yeah. They're like, what, what? One time a kid came up to me and was asking me about um, the song Allele. I don't know if you're from how familiar anyone is with Allele, but he was, he had an idea of what it was about. And I'm like, no, that's perfectly legitimate. Like, you know, part of like the, the, the what art and poetry is about is, you know, it's not like a, a narrative story. That's like, this is what this is about. No, it's not about that. It's about this. Um, so I was like, Oh, and it was like a nice conversation. He's like, but what is it actually about? And I'm like, Oh, um, so when I was in a really bad depression, uh, like a clinical major depressive episode, my mom told me she was worried about me. And I was like, why? And she's like, well, your biological mother, because I'm adopted, my, but your biological, I have a song about that too, by the way. Um, your biological family has a really strong history of suicide in it. And I'm like, good to know. So it was just kind of like a, in the midst of all this to like find that out was like a massive ton of bricks to be like, is this all like genetic and is it unavoidable so that's what allele's about so uh anyway it's it's so to have like that kind of personal thing you know i didn't have that in satia and i never had that again with anything else except lytic to some extent and, you know we, we only wrote eight songs and then, so off minor really is like you know the project for me you know and i and i we did it we did it till we couldn't do it anymore. So I'm very proud of it. I'm very happy with the way it worked out. So 
Okay, so when's the Lytic reunion? <laughs> now I'm just freeballing bullshit at you. <laughs> <laughs> Lytic, Lytic has been assimilated into the Borg known as as uh, Pembroke. And we got we got annexed like Crimea into Russia. So we're, there is there is no Lytic anymore. There's now only Pembroke. So what is next? I mean, as a musician that's accomplished so much, is there a new goal or achievement you want to reach? maybe a, a venue you've never played, a certain festival you want to go on, any personal music goals you have? So, I mean, the things for me now, I mean, personally, and like it's up for discussion, and it's, I feel like it's going to be a weird conversation to have with the guys in the band where they hear this and they're like, but like for me, because um, we, we brought it up, you know, Seisha, Seisha specifically, um, about what we'd like to do with this. And we're still kind of focusing on the now, like in getting, you know, before we can make plans, we need to make sure we can actually do it. You know, it's still, you know, we've made the plans, you know, and we are going to do it, but, you know, keep in mind, we still haven't, we're practicing for the first time as the five piece that will be playing the shows this coming weekend. Uh, so we've practiced as a four piece without Adam, the other, you know, Adam's our, the other guitars. And we've practiced as a five-piece with a different drummer, but this will be the first time that we're practicing on this. So making plans about like, well, I'd like to play in Antarctica, like Metallica did. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> unrealistic under the best of circumstances, and a bit nuts. You know, considering that we're still kind of like in the formative phase. But I would really like to go back to Europe. And as far as like venues and festivals, like it's. You know, it, it is a thing. Like I was talking to, I reached out to uh, Alex from Miss the Stars and Lars from uh, Crimea River. And I was like, we're interested. We are preliminarily interested. You know, it's like, those are dreams for me. Cause I look back on those lineups and I'm just like, you know, and I was there for a lot of it. I mean, I was there there, but I mean, like I was around for like Louis Cipher and, you know, Luckily and stuff like that. But just to like see those lineups, I'm just like, it was after Off Minor broke up, and I was like, oh, man, I should have flown out to Germany to see, like, some <laughs> of these shows, you know, like, and I'm so obsessed. Like, I had a, an email exchange with Lars from uh, React with Protest, because I was just, like, I'm obsessed with, like, every band on, on that label, and especially, like, every band that he does, like, Resurrectionists and stuff. So there's still a lot of bands that I want to play with and still a lot of venues, uh, not so much venues, but, like, festivals like Crimey River and Miss the Stars and things like that. And, you know, it's tough for Seisha because, like, the venues that I love are something that we might have grown out of in a way. Like, I would love to go back to Hamburg and play Rota Flora. I'm not so sure. You, are you familiar with it? It's a, it's a big, it's not a big venue, though. It's like basically like an art venue in Hamburg, but it's like such like a cool punk history venue. But we probably like sized out of it. So it's tricky. Uh, I mean, I'd love to do that with Pembroke, maybe. It's just, it's tough with Pembroke because, again, schedules and you know the, the funny thing you know the station has been such a great experience now even though we haven't done anything but like to have the opportunities that we didn't have before you know before it was asking and getting turned down yeah now it's being asked and turning it down and finding out that the things you want to do you can't necessarily do because we can't play a squat you know to like <laughs> 50 people anymore you know so It'll be like the Champions League final, you know, it'll be like people uh -huh. mobbing, you know. So it's, 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 it's sort of weird to have like big band problems. You know, I was talking to friends of mine who are like 
and other big bands like you know like Jeremy and and um, Jeff Jeff uh, from uh, Thursday, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's like it's it's a weird revelation when you can't play the places that you want to play because you need to play huge places. It's a good problem to have, though. Yeah, no, it is in a way. I mean, it's a different problem. It's a new problem. You know, it's like, you know, we're we're just kind of getting used to it because you know, we played most of our shows on like basement floors and stuff. So. Well, thanks for not uh, turning us down and coming to no no I mean, that's the thing is that <laughs> you know, the other thing is that you know i you know i always say i'm just punk it you know like it's funny like hardcore is really supposed to be kind of flat you know and i always i say this a lot now and people don't always know what i'm saying it's supposed to be like an egalitarian thing you know it's not supposed to be like a rock star thing and that's the cool thing about guys like jeff and jeremy is like they, they're not rock stars you can talk to them about stuff and like they're just as plugged into stuff like this you know it just becomes a question of like scheduling and like resources and stuff so it's but um they're you know you, you just regular guys you know we're not trying to be steven tyler from aerosmith you know it's like <laughs> far from it you know it's like but when you when you have um some level of popularity it becomes it's it's a it's a weird thing it's like it takes you out of the things that you want to do all of a sudden like we would love to go back and play like uh the house we played in new brunswick you know and have that vibe again that energy but it's just not a thing so you get a new you get a new opportunity well it does as i said you know thanks for not turning us down coming to chat with us very down to earth amazing chat you got um any last like shout outs any plugs any causes, literally anything you want to speak on at all, the, the floor is yours, the mic's obviously yours, and then we'll play a little outro track and say our sayonaras. I mean, the um, the the group that we're doing the benefit for um, in New York, the three shows at St. Vitus specifically are, are for a group called Gate. Uh, so I can just say a little bit about that. You know, it's a group that I, um, you know, we, we're all, I mean, I pat myself on the back. I was the one who uh, who brought it up because <laughs> we were looking for a group that's, uh, has a lot of integrity and is consistent with what we, uh, believe politically and gate is specifically it's, it stands for global action for trans equality. And they're a grassroots organization with a, a pretty reasonable, um, but when I say reasonable, I mean, we, we picked them specifically because they have the kind of budget that what we can give them will actually so I like to mention them, especially in the context of people who are looking to do some outreach within with for trans equality and um, uh, advocacy, justice, and especially in the United States where it's just like, uh, it's just incredible how regressive people are just for, for no reason. You know, it's like, you, you really want to just kind of like sit someone down and be like, but why? Like, why does this bother you so much? Like... We we are, as it says, we are five you know cis white guys, and this doesn't bother us. If anything, it's something we're passionate about um, because you know, for, for different reasons. But like people who have people who are trans in their lives, you know, it's like it's unimaginable that it, like people it just engender so much hostility in people, and it's still such a fight 
So when I brought this group to the guy's attention, they were like, oh, absolutely. You know, and they have a fantastic record and they really have like a great structure in there. It seems like they're, I mean, not knowing anyone who's involved in the organization personally, but interacting with them with the emails and talking about the group seems like they just do such incredible things on a global scale. So I'd really encourage people who want to get active if on on any level. I mean, people who want, people who are looking to try to start grassroots organizations. I mean, one of the things that GATE does is they're involved in movement building. So they can actually provide themselves as a resource for developing an organization that you someone might be forming to try to fight for trans equality in their community specific projects so they're a fantastic resource and as i said they're global like they they really do um they're active all across the world so i really encourage people who are interested to, to take a look the website is uh, gate.ngo like a, a non-governmental group and excellent transparency as far as if you want to be a donor, where your money is going to go. Uh, we specifically were earmarking it for movement buildings so that it goes to grassroots organizations. And the idea being that like we couldn't benefit everybody, but we could benefit an organization that does benefit everybody. So, and um, yeah, I mean, that's really the only group that I would specifically bring up. But um, uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, that's a beautiful cause. Thanks for bringing that up. I mean, we're all we're all people. It's twenty twenty two. Yeah, it's really it's 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 truly and it's funny because like things have gotten worse. Like I don't have to tell anyone, but it's just like you you, you grow up. You know, I'm forty. I'm forty six, and you grow up kind of with this idea that like things just kind of get better because everybody gradually, whether like bigots get desensitized to it after a while you know unfortunately i feel like a lot of it's kind of that that like there's only so much bandwidth a bigot has and they'll be like all right fine i guess trans people are okay i have to focus on other things that i hate but it's incredible how like hateful individuals have just like managed to maintain the bandwidth and just they're like oh no i've got so much hate in me that like i can just I can, I've got so many hate causes, you know, it's like organizations like hate causes, but it's, it's, it's true yeah. though. Like the fucking proud boys, like, and now you're going to get me on a different thing. It's like, mm. what is your organization about? Like, it's like, is this what you want to get together with people for? It's like, Oh, we, we, we just hate the same things. It's so beautiful. You know, it's like they found, they were founded as an anti-feminist organization. It's like, a book club, like everybody else does. <laughs> it's it's like it's insane it's like you, you, and, and it's like and the thing is like half the time like they all have the revelation later they're like oh yeah i was an idiot it's like, <laughs> like when you be like an ex-proud boy you're like you were a fucking idiot you're like yeah i was an idiot i know i was an idiot i was an idiot well thank you for spreading some love in a in a, in a time of strange uncertainties with uh, some hate around the world thanks for coming together for a uh, a loving cause, not a hate cause. No, of course. Believe me, I would have supported a hate cause if it could have been a good hate cause. <laughs> <laughs> this has been an absolute pleasure. Vicky, thank you for hooking this up. Uh, Jamie, thanks for talking with us. Yeah, thanks, everybody who's listening. Thanks for being here um, on this crazy planet we call Earth. Thanks for listening and supporting. And uh, I'm going to shame, shamelessly plug that the Not Just a Face compilation dropped 
about an hour ago. Uh, there's a link in bio. Hopefully there's no cassettes left by the time this episode comes out. But if there is, buy one, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess we'll wrap it there. Just just on me being an asshole and shamelessly plugging <laughs> myself at the end. Yeah. Oh, I got the I actually got the email from the, the Zeg Beach uh, band camp. Uh, when we were when you were sending out the next link. So huh? very uh very good uh lineup. I will I will whoa, is that a car horn that just went off? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say I'll send you I'll send you one, Jamie. No problem. Oh thanks. Yeah, no, this is uh yeah, no. Some names I know, some names I don't. Couple new songs, about seven unreleased tracks there. Nice. Yeah, I'm quite happy with it. Quite happy with it. Smile that kind of icy blue smile. The new day reckoning. Tied together to telltale pictures. Sketched in sandcastle plots and plans. Similar starting points. Both for sin, shooting blinds. But it's always the unseen sharp pang. The rhythm of the dance Like a TikTok club In that heart of hearts Repeating Repeating There is no happy Bye.
Fortune.